Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's National Parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 16. In this episode, I speak with Abigail Trebu of the RV Miles Network. We talk about deciding to move her family to living full-time on the road. She shares her tips for families thinking about RV life or an RV vacation, RV camping at the national parks, and favorite national park sites. Today, I want to share a message from listener Ashley Harker. Ashley writes, Hi, I know you always mention at the beginning of your podcast to share any of our own national park stories. The series on Zion National Park was the first one I listened to from your podcast, and it got me really excited to go to a park I did not know too much about. My boyfriend and I were recently visiting Las Vegas and made the trip up to Zion to do the Angels Landing hike. Have to say, one of the most nerve-wracking things we have ever done, and I couldn't do much but look down at my feet most of the time, but the view at the top was totally worth it. Just amazing. Also, I love listening to your podcast on my morning commute to work. Thank you, Ashley, so much for sharing your story. And if you want to share your story about an experience at a national park, a favorite recommendation to share, or how this podcast helped enrich your trip, please email us at hello at everybody'snps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Before I get to today's topic, I want to take a moment to talk about listener support. If you are already a patron of the podcast, thank you so much, and feel free to skip ahead one minute to today's conversation. If you are not yet a patron and you want to hear my thoughts on this topic, here they are. This podcast is a labor of love. We were looking for a podcast that would help us in planning our family trips to national parks. We could not find one, and so we decided to create the podcast we were looking for. I ask you this question, has this podcast brought you value? If so, would you consider becoming a patron by offering financial support? Patreon is a platform that allows for recurring monthly support for as low as a dollar per month. You may find a link on our website, everybody'snationalparks.com, to support the show. Thank you to all of our patrons. Now let's get to the conversation. Okay, I am here with Abigail. She travels full-time with her husband, Jason Epperson, and their three boys. Together, they run the RV Miles Network, which consists of the RV Miles website, RV Miles Podcast, America's National Parks Podcast, their family travel blog, Our Wandering Family, and their Facebook groups for America's National Parks and RV Miles. If you are interested in RV travel, national parks, budget travel, road schooling, and many other things, you definitely want to check out their plethora of resources. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for inviting me on. (laughs) I hope I covered everything there (laughs) um, because you guys do a lot and are just amazing what you do. Your YouTube channel is so much fun. You're all over the place. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Online and all over the country. So where are you right now? Where are you talking to me from? I am talking to you from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. We are actually out 
out of our RV right now and we are staying with some family. I'm in a beautiful gazebo right up against the Tennessee River. We are not too far from the Smokies. Enjoying just this little bit of summer here in Tennessee before we get back on the road and start making our way towards family in the Midwest. Well, that sounds like a lovely place to be working and visiting right (laughs) now. It's not too shabby. I can't complain. The view every morning is worth a million. I don't even have enough words to describe how beautiful it is. So it does make, if you have to sit down and get some work done, it really does make for a beautiful work day. (laughs) I do like to sit outside and, and do work when I can. Let's start from the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how your family decided to sell all of your belongings from your Chicago home and take to the road full time? with your husband, your three boys in a converted bus, which is amazing to see. (laughs) And now that's going to change to an RV. It is. We are in a really big season of change around here, very similar to the change we went through three years ago. So three years ago, we were a Chicago family living right on the north side of the city. We lived in a little three-bedroom, one-bath condo. My husband and I both have degrees in theater. That's our background. We were working in the Chicago theater community. I have a degree in musical theater. He has a degree in production management and lighting design. And somewhere around late 2015, early 2016, we had an opportunity to start our own business on the theater side. In addition to all of those travel resources you mentioned, we also run two theater websites. We have a theater company as well. That started in 2015. And then we realized, well, I don't know, we don't have to stay here. We can take the show on the road. We're running our own business. It's web-based. And my husband came to me one night as we're laying on the couch. Our littles are in bed what do you think about converting a school bus? And I said, no, don't talk to me about that. That's crazy. That's so much work. How would we find time to do that? We have small children. We're homeschooling. We're running a business. What we had been running into, though, was finding an RV that would meet our needs, that had the things that we wanted in it, specifically a bunkhouse. You know, the RV industry has come so far in the last three years in regards to recognizing large families' needs for an RV. So at that time, though, in 2016, we just didn't see what we wanted in the price range we wanted it in. And he kept dropping these YouTube videos in front of me at night after the kids were going to bed and we're watching these people convert buses. And I knew with his background in theater as a lighting designer and having worked many construction builds on stage, I knew he could do it. I finally just said, okay, you know what? Let's do this. Let's find a bus. Let's convert it, sell everything we own, and let's get on the road. And within two weeks, we had found our bus. Within three weeks, we were converting this bus. And because we lived in Chicago, clearly we couldn't park it on the street. (laughs) They didn't want you parking a giant bus and working out of it there on the city side streets. So we were actually traveling an hour to Hammond, Indiana, and we had found someone who let us rent a lot from him and we were converting all the way out there. We converted. We moved into it in August of 2016. Around July of 2017, after being on the road for a while, we started the RV Miles Network. That was the podcast, RV Miles. And shortly after that, Jason came to me with another idea for a podcast, and that was America's National Parks. 
podcast. And that was about taking stories from the over 400 parks or sites, I should say, that are under the National Park Service, telling their stories. There are amazing stories to be found in our parks. And so we began that. Then we really sort of began doing a little bit more traveling with our wandering family, which is our travel blog. And things have just kind of continued to keep rolling forward. You know, we have some things coming down the pipeline where we're discussing adding a third podcast into the network. Like where there's the constantly evolving travel industry and RV industry. And we have been out on the road now almost three years with our boys. We have three boys and we have been road schooling. Like I had mentioned earlier, we just made the decision a few weeks ago to sell our bus and we have sold the bus and we are transitioning now into a truck and trailer and starting a very different chapter of travel for our family. One that's come with a lot of mixed emotions, but we're very excited for the opportunities that this is going to present us for RV Miles, but for us personally as a family as well. We've almost come full circle talking to you. We're sort of in a brand new season of adventure for us. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll have to include a link to show people what you guys did to this bus because it is just incredible. Thank you. I was just blown away. <laughs> we, you know, it was, it was a true labor of love. You know, actually, as I'm talking to you today, in about two hours, the gentleman that we sold it to is coming to pick it up. And really what it came down to for us, because we had built this bus, gutted it completely and built it to be the home that we wanted it to be. And we had done that with our kids, weekends and weekdays spent out as a family in Hammond, creating this home. We didn't come by this decision lightly. In fact, it's taken us almost a year to get to this place. But when we built that bus, we were a very different traveling family. We had not started the RV Miles Network yet. We did not anticipate the kind of lifestyle that we would eventually create for ourselves. And this year alone in 2019, we're traveling about 9,000, 10,000 miles total across the country. The bus... She does not want to do that anymore. Her engine, we know that there was an engine rebuild coming down the pipeline. That's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, potentially. And we had to really come to the realization that what the bus needs and what's good for that home and how much we love it is for us to let it go and let it become someone else's home on a piece of land and have a new life. And that was very difficult because this is the sixth member of our family. And she has provided a home and been exactly what we needed when we at a time that we really needed it. So today we're filled with a lot of excitement, but a lot of emotion as we prepare to um, say goodbye, essentially. Right. Yeah. I can only imagine every child, they must grow up and, yes. you know, leave home and lead their own <laughs> <Yeah>. lives. <laughs> I must, I am, I think I am experiencing empty nest syndrome <laughs> about maybe 10, 20 years before it should really be starting. Well, I, I don't want to say 20. I would hope my five-year-old is a little bit more established before he's 25. But, you know, to eat... To each their own path. Right. <laughs> but yes, we are definitely releasing one of our children out into the world today and excited for their their future. Yeah. And you found a good home for... We did. She's going to a farm in Georgia. She's going to love it. <laughs> Let's talk about RV life. That has to be 
very different from Chicago city living. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So what has surprised you the most about RV life? That is such a good question. And I think that it has changed for me as seasons with my family have changed. In the beginning, just the transition from an urban lifestyle. And we were a very urban family, living and working in theater, taking the train everywhere. You know, our kids didn't have a patch of grass. They had a concrete slab in the backyard and the train was, you know, a block from the house. So that transition from that urban lifestyle where I could order dinner and have it at my doorstep in 10 minutes and it could be 20 different restaurants to being more connected to nature, to being a little bit more removed, if that's a good word, from the everyday conveniences was probably for me personally sort of the hardest transition. Finding my voice as an adult and also as a parent in this new environment that is constantly changing. For us, we do tend to travel pretty fast. We move about every week to two weeks. So our environment is always shifting. So you come into a new community and you get to know that community and then you shift and you move into another community. That I would say in the beginning was an adjustment that now is very natural and actually very freeing and exciting to get to be a part of so many different communities across the country. What I would say I find now as our businesses have expanded our demands and our our need to get things done is greater. And so I feel a much stronger pull as a parent, as an individual, as an entrepreneur, because I want to be everywhere at once. And I think anyone who gets out on the road and is traveling full-time and working full-time from the road might be able to understand that feeling of, I want to go here, but I must be here. I feel guilty for working because I'm not with my kids. And I think that's a working parent feeling. That doesn't matter if you're on the road or not. And so for me now, the biggest challenge is balance, healthy balance that honors the amazing opportunities we have as travelers, but then also honors the responsibilities that we have as parents and as partners and as travelers and as humans sure. in general. And that work-life balance, you know, never goes away. No. We have flexible jobs and so we can go on trips, but we still And we do not travel full time. We have a home base, but we still work on trips, um, especially my husband does. Or he can take my kids to their violin lesson in between conference calls or whatever he's doing. And that's a beautiful, you know, I should say is, again, like I talk about that being a struggle, but what a beautiful world you guys have been able to carve out for yourselves. And the same with us, that flexibility to do those things, but then also be able to work them around other important issues and other important engagements. And sometimes, I think sometimes, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I think sometimes that can that is very hard because there can be this balance of like, where do I go first? Because I have the flexibility to go five different ways. Which way do I go first? Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then yeah, and then you just stand there and you look at all the different forks in the road and you're like, well, I just wish someone would point me in one direction. Yeah. Have you learned, I'm sure you've learned a ton, of course, but are there lessons learned that may be helpful to others who are starting out? Any advice that you wish you had known when you were starting out on this adventure? (laughs) Coffee is your friend. 
And if you don't like it, learn to love it. <laughs> I do not. We are actually not <laughs> coffee drinkers. Are you not? I, <laughs> it's like our friends who come to visit us, they're like, we know, BYO coffee. <laughs> yeah. I, I've gotten to the point in our, our travels when we go to visit anyone because, again, my husband's not a coffee drinker. And so his mornings are rougher than my mornings. But I just, I bring my own coffee at this point. But I would say that flexibility and realistically, flexibility is key. I had expectations in the beginning that did not come to fruition. And so I struggled with expectations versus reality. I think sometimes, especially in the age that we live in now, where everyone can filter all their pictures, all their videos, and they can create these really beautiful worlds of what travel looks like or parenting looks like or anything looks like. That's not reality. And so when you see, when and even when you see my pictures or you see my videos, you're seeing a very small snippet of the reality. And I think that I went into it not understanding that what I had seen through social media and what I was going to experience were two very different things. And so if I tell anybody anything when they go into this, you're going to have the most amazing experiences. They will be nothing like you expect them to be. That's just not possible because you're dealing with environments that are constantly shifting and trying to manage those and manage your family or your partner or yourself when you're driving around something that's going to break down. You are going to break down. <laughs> it's just going to happen. It's that sort of expectations first reality that I really do encourage people to be aware of when they first start. Right. That's a good one. And what about, I know not everyone can do the full-time RV life, but lots of families, you know, summer has started for most of the country, not here where we live yet. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are still in school, but um, I feel like we're the only, the only state left that's like still in school. But, yeah, um, <laughs> you guys are you guys are very far behind. It's almost July. Well, their first full week off is July 4th week, which seems crazy. <gasps> wow. Oh yeah, you have a lot of summer to catch up on. Yeah. <laughs> what tips do you have for people who want to do an RV national park road trip vacation? Again, I think it's about the reality versus the expectation, especially if you're traveling with kids. What we've learned as traveling parents is that what we might have as our idea of how vacation is going to go is not what our kids have in mind. And it's very important that you listen to all of the travelers. Do not try to stick square pegs into round holes on vacation. With that in mind, don't overload yourself. You do not have to do the mighty five in Utah. You don't have to do all five in one vacation. And that is really, really hard because I know we all get like this small little window of time to go and do something and we want to make the most of it. But no one wants to come home and need a vacation from their vacation. If you can, really try to focus in on one or two places and then allow yourself time to breathe as a family inside those places. Have some down days or some down hours come back from one of the great things I love about Zion is that you can camp in the park and you can camp really, you're right butted up against Springdale and right up against the visitor center in the Watchman Campground. 
Mm-hmm. And you can go over to the visitor center, grab a shuttle. You can go into the canyon. You can spend a few hours, stop at a few. They've got some shorter hikes, some longer hikes, depending on where your family's at. Then you can come back to your campground or you can come back to the hotel that's there, the lodge inside Zion. Take a break, take a breather, just chill out. And then if you want, go back out and do a little bit more. But you don't have to feel like we have to hit the ground running at 7 a.m. and we can't stop until 8 p.m. because we've got everything we need to do. For us, and that's really hard, we struggle to remember that, but I do encourage people to less is more on your vacation. That's a great tip. Yeah, especially in our national parks because they can be really overwhelming. They are. Every park we've been to so far, we've done so many podcasts. We have a series on, I don't know how many now, 16, 17 parks. But we were just in Yosemite last month and... There's so much more that I wanted to do that we didn't get to do. And I was, we didn't get to Hetch Hetchy. I really wanted to get there. And Mm -hmm. we thought about it. And my husband pushed back, pushed back. And in the end, he was right. It would have really been arduous on all of us. Yes. We ended up spending several days in the valley. My kids loved bike riding around the valley. They just wanted to do that again the next day. And we thought, you know what? It's your vacation too. We're not going to force you to do something else. We'll, we'll, We'll do that and then we'll see where it takes us. And oh, every day we did that. a little something different. We did the valley bike riding and stopped along the way, seeing different things. But it was very calm and tame and not t- trying to see everything. Yeah, I love that. And that's, you made such a good point. It's their vacation too. you know. And there's a difference between they want a bike ride and then they just want to sit at the campground on their devices or, you know, there's that's two different horses of a different color. Right. So, <laughs> you know, yes, it's their vacation too. And they want to do that bike ride. And, you know, we talk about that too when you go into an urban environment. And it's not just your parks, but if you go into an urban environment or if you go to Disney World, I mean, this fear of missing out is really strong in all of us. And so it's really about that balance. And I think your kids were all the better for the fact that you guys did several biking tours of the valley. Yeah. And we fortunately did like the big, really arduous hike our (laughs) first day (laughs) and got that out of the way. So after that, they were like, not another hike. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I could talk ad nauseum about hikes and kids. Like they... It just really depends on you get there and see which way the wind is blowing that day because you just (laughs) never know what you're going to get. Right, exactly. So I do want to focus just a little bit more because you have such a specialty. You know, we've got our own background on hiking with kids and stuff, but the RV and trying to get plan this trip. What is it like to roll into a park and camp at a park with an RV? And how do you do that? How do you make reservations? Is it for campsites? A lot of these places, sometimes there's first come, first serve, but a lot of times you have to reserve way in advance. What is it if you have an RV? So it is definitely its own adventure to try and navigate camping in national parks with an RV. There is a myth, and I am going to dispel this right now. There is this myth that if you are over a certain length, and it always varies, be it 28 feet, 33 feet, 25 feet, you can't camp camp in a national park. That is absolutely 
incorrect. We have a 37-foot bus, and we have camped in national parks all across this country. So this is this big myth that we see time and time again floating all around social media. You can camp. It might not be as many options for you. Like they might only have X amount of sites that your rig's going to fit into, but you can do it. And everything is done through recreation.gov. So that's going to be your main site to go to for all things national park campground related. We have a few campgrounds that we absolutely love that we return to as often as we can. And I will, but before I get to that, I will say that not every national park has a campground and not every national park's campground is equal. Some are dispersed camping. Some will have hookups. Some will only have partial hookups, meaning they will just have electricity. So again, it's about getting on recreation.gov, looking at the national parks you're interested in, and then seeing what camping is available to you in that area. I mentioned Zion a little bit ago. We love that campground and so does everybody else in the country. So it's very highly sought after. That would be one you would end up doing a reservation quite a a ways in advance. How long in advance? A year in advance? Months in advance? Weeks? For a lot of people, depending on how long they want to stay, they're going to want... I don't know what the window is. I don't know if it's a six-month window or if it's a year window Mm -hmm. that the site will do. They're going to give you a window of time. So that would be something to look into. Like If you're already thinking about your vacation for next year, you might want to examine what if they've got reservations open. With that said, it is very important that people do not just book to book and hold that spot and then end up canceling a month, three weeks before you want to go because you've decided you're not going to go. That is just really unfair (laughs) to your fellow campers to take a spot really, really far in advance if you're not 100% sure that's your vacation. You know, I know that it's easy to do because you're going to get your refund and you're not going to lose a ton of money. But really what you're doing is potentially taking a vacation away from somebody else who would use that spot. So that's just something to think about. If you're going to book way far in advance, really be committed to booking way far in advance. Now, what we do, because we're not, we don't book really far in advance. We have been to Zion and we have a couple weeks before we arrive, but we have been comfortable with site hopping, meaning we've booked two nights in one space, grabbed one night in another space, moved to another night space two nights later. Some people do not like that. But if you're trying to get into a park really last minute, that might be your only option. And we are generally people who don't decide where we're going till 48 hours before it's time for us to pick up and move. Another really great campground to consider, it's also incredibly popular, is the Gulf Islands National Seashore in Pensacola. That is hands down one of the best camping national park experiences we have had. We love it there. We just did two weeks back in April. You are staying within a mile of the fort, which is the major attraction for that park. You are inside the park camping. You're butted right up against the Gulf and these beautiful sandy beaches. Spectacular. And you're also close to Pensacola. You're close to an urban environment. You can come off the park if you want and go into the city and have dinner. Um, Another really great one is the Buffalo National River in Arkansas. They have a campground that I grew up going to as a child. I absolutely love the Ozarks and that environment. That's another great campground. So camping within the parks is an absolute reality for RVers and for tent families. It just depends on the park and how you like to camp. 
you mentioned how you like to camp. You mentioned dispersed camping. What does that mean? One example for that would be a first come first serve campground in the Glen Canyon National Recreation Area, which is in Arizona. They have a campground. It's called Lee's Ferry. It is first come first served. There are no hookups there. For an RVer, it's dispersed in the sense that you are either going to run off your generator and you're only going to have an X amount of hours that they allow that. So you're going to have quiet time when you cannot have it on. You might be on your batteries in your RV, or you might have a solar setup and you're going to pull power that way. They do have a bathhouse. They're not going to have showers. You're not going to be able to dump or fill up your water or anything like that. That's dispersed, you know, essentially like if you were going to um, BLM land and there's a great BLM land outside, right outside the park of the Badlands. And you just come out into this gorgeous space. You pick somewhere to stop, you park, and you are only living off what is in, you know, what you have available to you inside your rig power wise. So that's dispersed camping. BLM camping, Bureau of Land Management camping, that is generally just going to be free dispersed camping in a designated area. Lee's Ferry, because it is inside Glen Canyon, because they do have that bathhouse with uh, bathrooms, that had a fee. And I think at the time we were there, it was $20 a night. First come, first serve. So there are a lot of different options. And it's really about how you feel comfortable as an RVer experiencing the parks, how much, for lack of a better word, comfort, you know, do you want to run your air conditioner, essentially? Got it. Yeah. And are there enough RV campsites at the national parks or do you have to stay outside the parks pretty often or it just depends? It depends. There are not enough campgrounds in general right now across this country. There are more RVers traveling than we have campsites for. The industry is booming. There are, at this point um, in North America, and I'm probably going to quote this number wrong. This is more Jason's wheelhouse. But in North America alone, I do believe there are around 9 million RVers. And there are over 200,000, supposedly over 200,000 full-time families, just families in America traveling right now. So what we're seeing in the industry, if you look at the, the trends within the RV industry year after year after year, more and more, there's, it's almost like it's reached a peak point now to where the bubble's either going to pop or we're going to have to build another shelf to get up onto because so many people are choosing this as an affordable and an enjoyable way to get out and see. So there is a lack of campgrounds and that can sometimes create a bit of a problem, you know. Again, it's this, what's happening is everyone's snatching everything up because they know it may not be there. They end up not using it. It gets released at the last minute and hopefully someone can scramble in and take it. I don't mean that to discourage people. You should still, this is a great way to see the country and to experience your national parks, but it's a very popular way to do so right now. And you provide a great resource for people who want to try and do that. <laughs> we try. I We try. I mean, we just, you know, over on our RV Miles podcast, that's really the difference is that there we're just, it's, an, it's um, a conversational piece between my husband and I, and we're just talking about what's happening in the industry, but we're also talking about our travels, what we have learned, where we have been and how we've navigated that. And what we have seen is that over the three years, um, it is getting a little bit harder to get those campsites. And we are having to book a little bit further in advance. We are having to think a little bit further ahead in our travels. We are also starting to see more campgrounds opening. So hopefully that is going to balance itself 
itself out, but the national parks, I think, are always going to be popular campgrounds and they are always going to be very mixed in what you can get and where you can get them. Mm-hmm. And so if a family is planning their vacation for anyone traveling this summer, they pretty much already have their plans. But if you're looking out for next summer and you're doing, I don't know, a three-week, four-week trip, how does a family who's not used to having an RV, how do you go about doing it? And I'm sure you can rent RVs. There's probably plenty of places. And then I've also seen that there's kind of like the Airbnb of, of RVs. People do that too. Yes. So there are a lot of ways if you want to give the RV lifestyle a try. You've already mentioned two of them, which are really the biggest ones. Renting an RV, which is going to be a little bit pricey. Don't look at it as an economical way to experience the RV lifestyle. It's not going to be. And then also there are experiences now where you can sort of Airbnb on a campground. There are campgrounds across this country that are essentially putting RVs in their space and their campground on their campsites. And you just rent that RV and you stay at their campground in an RV. That can be another really great way to experience it. Of course, for us, we started as a... And there's the other... Oh, I'm sorry. There's also in terms of like the Airbnb concept, I've seen that you can, I don't know if the word is rent, Airbnb someone's RV that you then travel around for a few weeks in as opposed to one that's just at a campsite. Exactly. And that's going to be through an RV rental company, like Outdoorsy, for instance. That's going to be people are listing their RVs on there for you to rent from them. Sometimes they'll bring them to the campsite for you. Sometimes, you know, depends on the individual. But yes, you can rent an RV from individuals and travel with it. You can also rent from a business and use their standard RV. We see that a lot when we're out West. People who have come over, especially internationally, to travel. There's also now a company that will give you the whole van life experience. They will literally give you a van that they have converted with a little kitchen in the back and pops up and you sleep on top. And it's quite the industry. It's a great way to get to know whether or not this suits you because you're only committing to those so many weeks of the rental and then you're, you know, you don't have to bring it home and deal with the whole winterization of it and the storage. Absolutely. I would encourage anyone if they're really on the fence about this to spend a couple of weeks traveling in one and then don't feel like you have to go really far. It's okay to just rent and then go maybe a couple, two, 300 miles. You don't have to make it into this epic road trip. It's really about getting to know whether or not you like traveling this way. Even do it for a weekend. That's another just great way to get in and be like, do I like sleeping in here? Do I like living in here? Right. Well, I'm also asking for those tips for people who just want to do it for a vacation. They know they just want to do it for vacation. They don't want to be on the road full time. Right. So in that case, if you know you want to do it for a vacation, my next question to you would be, well, do you want to do it for just one vacation or do you want to do it for numerous vacations? Because then, yes, renting could be an option, but it is, like I said, it can be very, very expensive. And if you're going to want year after year to put that money into a vacation that has you on the road, road tripping in your RV, 
you might really want to consider just purchasing. Prices are, yeah, prices are pretty good right now. And even getting a pop-up trailer is a great way to start. Just a little something that you can pull behind you that has just sort of the bare necessities is a great way to get into this lifestyle too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about you've been traveling now for three years. You've been all over the country, except not quite that much of the, you haven't been to the Northeast yet. We have not. <laughs> we, ha- we have neglected the Northeast and we do hope to eventually change that very soon. We forgive you and we will welcome you with <laughs> open arms when you come. Thank you. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> but uh, what are some of your, you named some of your favorite campsites, but can you share some of your favorite park experiences or favorite parks? And what would your kids say? Would every member of your family, including <laughs> Wanderbus, <laughs> have, a, have a different response? Wanderbus would probably say she really likes it when we just stay somewhere for a long period of time. <laughs> um, that would probably be her favorite experience. I would say that if I'm going to speak for myself and then I'll speak for my kids, and actually I can speak for both Jason and I, two of our favorite parks where we have had some really, actually three, where we have had some really fantastic family experiences that have stuck with us would be Voyagers National Park up in Minnesota, right there at the Canadian and U.S. border, International Falls area. Absolutely amazing park. It is so much more than just water. So if water is not your thing, there's certainly water you can experience with Voyagers, but it's stunning. Minnesota's beautiful. I've mentioned the other two already, but the Gulf Islands National Seashore is one of the most beautiful places on earth. And that is a place that actually we have now gone to twice in our travels. We have reworked our schedule in order to go back because we felt such a pull to the area. We loved it so much. And that includes the Gulf Islands is actually two locations spread out. You've got one campground in Ocean Breeze, Mississippi, which is right next to Biloxi and Gulfport. And it's a great campground, Davis Bayou. Then over in Pensacola, Florida, you have the Fort Pickens campground, which is right there on the island, on the Gulf Island National Seashore. Now, our kids will tell you that Zion is one of their favorite places. My husband and I would say the same. And they would also tell you Fort Pickens. My son, my oldest Jack, he would tell you that the Harry S. Truman historical site in Independence, Missouri has one of the best park videos that he has ever seen. And he loves it. He watches it because my family's from that area. So we're there often. When we go, he will sit and watch it two or three times in a row before he leaves. (laughs) I cannot tell you what it is about that video, but it really speaks to him. And so he, he watches it often. That would be his answer. But we really, we have really yet to meet a park we don't love. Um, The Gila Cliff Dwellings in New Mexico are amazing. I would tell somebody, if New Mexico is not on your list, put New Mexico on your list. The amount of national parks in New Mexico is breathtaking. We spent 10 weeks in the state and it wasn't enough time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the uh, Effigy Mounds in Iowa, not too far, I believe, from Davenport. Another hidden gem of a national park. Bandelier in in New Mexico. Amazing. Some of the best hiking we've ever been on. For us, you know, there are those big 10 and everyone thinks of the Grand Canyon and Yosemite and Yellowstone and, and Zion. And those are amazing spaces, but there are so many more out there and they are just equally as phenomenal 
and worth your time. You can't go wrong. It doesn't matter where you are, really. Yeah, that's a great. And you think about summer and national parks and how crowded they are, but there are so many and so many people don't think of. They're not all crowded. (laughs) No. And we had a really wonderful experience in Omaha, Nebraska. That was such a surprising city for us to visit. And in Omaha is the Lewis and Clark National Historic Trail Visitor Center. And we picked up the Lewis and Clark Trail through parts of Nebraska. And my eight-year-old really did a deep dive while we were there, just really became fascinated with Lewis and Clark. But this is another example, and we talk about this a lot too, where there are vacations that can be had that are both urban and national park-based. Omaha, for example. Kansas City, Missouri is another great example. Minneapolis, Minnesota, New Orleans, Pensacola. Yeah, Tucson. Yes, absolutely. Tucson. I mean, there's just San Antonio, you know, Santa Fe. There's so many places you can go where you can experience so many different ways to travel. And part of that can be our national parks. Yeah, I'm going to make that list because I'm always looking for girls trips with my mom and my sisters. Some members of my family really like hiking and being super active. Some members of my family prefer like going to a spa and a fancy restaurant. (laughs) So having that combination. Yes. And I, my first place I tell you to go is go to Santa Fe. All right. Because you know, Petroglyph is actually in Santa Fe and Bandolier is about an hour outside. So you could actually, I mean, it's Santa Fe, New Mexico is one of, we were to settle down tomorrow. It would be on our very, very, very short list of places we would settle down. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we've been talking for a while. I'm hoping that you can share a story. I can't imagine how many stories you must have. And I look forward to reading your book someday because I'm sure there should be one. <laughs> you've got a blog and you've got so many other things out there, but I'm sure that you should have a book at some point too, which will have a lot of great stories in it. And it'd be really cool to have like maybe chapters from everyone's different perspective. Maybe Wanderbus also has yeah. a section. <laughs> she would have a, a lot to say about the terrain and the roads in this country. She would have a lot to say. If I had... I'm pre-ordering now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go up and add it to the list and, and get it done. So... If I had to pick one story, I will I will pick probably a most recent because it is coming to mind. And I'm going to go back again to the Gulf Shores in Pensacola. Clearly, that has really made an impact on our family. And when we were in Pensacola, we happened to be there during Junior Ranger Day. That was April. And we had gone to a program that was sort of like soldier life. There was a ranger that was doing this event for kids. And our eight-year-old just really loved it. He, While we were there, he started doing kind of a deep dive into the Civil War. And so we came back the next day hoping to catch one of the programs that we had missed, which was on the cannon. And you were able to learn how to load it. And it was very, very interesting. And he really wanted to check it out. And so we asked this ranger if they were going to be doing that that day after he had finished the after he had finished doing his program on soldier life. And he said to us, well, we don't have it on the schedule for today, but you know what? I'm going to go get all the stuff. Why don't you and your family meet me over there? And I'm going to do this for your, for you guys. We're going to go over and, you know, we're going to learn about this canon and you guys are all going to get to participate in it. And I, you know, so we were so surprised and so appreciative. And he took us over there 
and he did this program for our family. And he went through the whole thing. He's wearing this wool uniform. It's hot. He doesn't have to do this, but he sees that there's a child that's really interested. And so he takes the time to do it. And it made such not only an impact like on us as adults, but the impact it made on our son, I think really did increase his interest and his desire to know more about the park. And I can't say enough to the rangers that go out of their way for these kids in these parks to bring it alive for them. And, you know, he did that for our boys. That was just one of those events that will always stick with us. I'm just, I don't know, I always get a little emotional when I talk about it because it was just so nice. And he loved it. And he got to learn how to load this cannon. And he had kind of had this ranger to himself. And he was just this little eight-year-old just looking up at him in awe the whole time. What a great experience. And those, those rangers who really go the distance, he'll remember that for the rest of his life. And he'll probably never forget that ranger's name either. <laughs> no, he won't. None of, he won't. None of us will. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your adventures. And uh, I've learned so much from you and your family and really enjoy following and living vicariously through you. <laughs> Danielle, it has been my pleasure. And thank you so much for inviting me on. I have really enjoyed talking to you. (laughs) Great. So I will have in the show notes links to all the things that you do. And thank you. I'm speaking with Abigail from RV Miles Network. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybody'snps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybody'snps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on support our show on our homepage, everybodysnationalparks.com. We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.